the optimal life. Lee Bodden, welcome, man. How you been? Uh, been great, man. How you been? <laughs> hey, listen, 2020, I, I've probably been better before. <laughs> I can't and lie. We all, man. But I, listen, we got to deal with it however it comes. It's been and a crazy. What, it's been a crazy. It's been a really crazy year, and I seen some of the posts that you put out before we get to it because I, I really want to hear your take. I see the Kanye stuff, uh, the the presidential stuff, the the twenty twenty, the the coronavirus, all this craziness. But before we get to it, Lee, um, I wanted to start with this. I I, okay. I once saw a wise man giving a keynote presentation speech at Northwestern High School and uh, there was a quote that went like this believe in yourself and let everything be fuel what does that quote mean to you um you know what it means is um let everything be fuel just as self-explanatory really but it's 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 like when the people doubt you you know let that be fuel when the people um, don't doubt you when they believe in you. Let that be fuel. Let any and everything be fuel. The haters, the people that um, love you, um, you just you just kind of prove uh, the people wrong that are doubting you, and prove the people right that believe in you. And that's really what uh, you know that message is saying. You got and very- any and any little thing, you know, you have to make it be fuel any little thing you know no matter how minute it is because people be like oh man you know that's not a big deal but you know you got to make everything a big deal for you oh that's beautifully said uh you got emotional at that speech (laughs) back a few years ago what uh what what was triggering through you what was what was making you so emotional you know what Uh, to be honest man I, i couldn't tell you because when I wrote it, like I wrote it the night before, to be honest, I, I won't even get you into that story. That's that's kind of a you know a little long story, but uh, I wrote it the night before, and um, I was practicing in the mirror, like man, I'm about to kill it, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because I'm like man, you know, these kids need to hear this, you know, because I I sat in their seats and you know I made it to you know where I wanted to to be, and and here's how I did it, um, but then kind of sharing it with with people uh was i guess what hit me and you know because no one knows kind of the backstory of what happens only the people like really really close to you uh and you know a lot of times the people that are close to you they believe in you so you know you kind of don't uh think about those the bad times but now you know kind of telling everybody how you know things went growing up and how I didn't play uh, my sophomore year and I won- I was down you know kind of a little bit you know that, that made me angry you know because I felt like I was a, a good player but somebody else didn't mm. and and so you know that, that, that doubt creeps in sometimes with people and that's what makes people give up sometimes because it's like man am I good enough right. you know and, and so um, you know kind of sharing that story with you know, you know, thousands of people. You know, it was kind of uh, intimate. That's an intimate thing, and, and I n- never, I guess, shared that with uh, a ton of people. So, yeah. you know, and then and then kind of thinking back and looking back, and again, I'm talking to high school seniors, and and I, you know, I was that kid. You know, just kind of being doubted. You know, from you know a little kid. You know, from Boys and Girls Club to, to high school to even college sometimes and sometimes and even, even the pros. You know, that whole story kind of showed every level somebody were, was doubting me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was just it's just kind of then looking back of how I triumphed, you know, and, and just, you know, it kind of it kind of hit me. Then. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was the moment. Sometimes you don't look back. Sometimes yeah. you don't look back. You know, you're always looking forward to the next venture or, or the next um, goal that you have, and then to kind of sit back and look like, damn, man, I, I I went through all of that and, and still made it. Yeah, yeah, it's the moment. The moment hits yeah. you. It's like, holy cow, yeah. here I am. Yeah, that, that, that you have an incredible story, which I don't think a lot of people probably even know enough of, because uh, the fact that you didn't play your sophomore year. I mean, you were on the team, but they just didn't, right. they didn't play you, right? They yeah, they didn't play me. They didn't play you your sophomore year. You end up going off to Duquesne. 
um, which is a small school in Pittsburgh for people that don't know. Uh, and you, you basically break every single record at Duquesne. You have a monstrous college career. And, and so, again, there's the fuel, right? You're using the fuel from, from high school to college, and then you've got this monstrous college career. Did, did, you didn't get invited to the Combine. Nope. Nope. Didn't get invited to the Combine. Um, just going back, you know, like it, just to clear it up. I mean, so my sophomore year, I, I didn't play, like, up until a point. And then, like, after that time frame when I when they like threw me in in the fourth quarter and like the whistle blew and I didn't even get a chance to play like they played me a little bit afterwards but you know I really didn't play right right (laughs) I mean this um, is this is incredible because I mean obviously you don't know it at the time you end up you're going to be a professional football player but at the age of 16 give or take the the coaches are sitting you they're not playing you you know I mean it's it's crazy in, in my mind in yeah. my mind, as a 16, 15, you know, I'm like, man, I'm making it to the league. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but like, the coaches are saying, man, you're not even good enough to play high school ball. <laughs> how did you get? How did you get to Duquesne? Uh, so yeah, so then, so I transferred from from schools my sophomore year to my junior year, uh, and then uh, I, I had a okay junior season, but um, you know the team wasn't that good. Then my senior year, we actually. Uh, we were a really good team, but obviously uh, nobody, no colleges knew about us. No colleges were going to that high school because um, historically they were bad. Mm. But but my senior year, we went to the state semifinals and we, you know, we killed it my senior year. And so, you know, so we got a little bit of looks. University of Maryland, they asked me to be a recruited walk-on, but I felt like I could play, you know, as a freshman mm-hmm. and so I, I didn't want to do that so so I you know how I ended up at Duquesne was man I um my stepfather uh you know just took uh like a few kids me and a few other kids just drove up to Pittsburgh we visited Robert Morris Duquesne and uh Waynesburg College they're like D3 and I just dropped my tape off and you know met with the coaches and you know they they called back and all all of them you know were interested and I chose Duquesne because I, I felt like, you know, maybe if I didn't go to the league, you know, it would be a great education at Duquesne. And, right. Um, so that's really why I chose Duquesne. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Who would you – so you go to Duquesne, like I was saying before, you break all these records. You're still not getting much press mm-hmm. when it comes to the, the pro scouts. Um, there, did you have a couple pro day visits? No, so so yeah, I mean, I did not go to the combine, like you said, getting back to what you said. I didn't go to the combine, but with me having 28 interceptions in my career, again, like you said, I broke every record at Duquesne, but then I was second all-time in Division One AA in interceptions. Uh, and that was one of my goals because I was like, how the hell am I going to get noticed, man, yeah. you know, from Duquesne University? Yeah. Uh, so I remember looking up my... My freshman or sophomore year, I looked up who led the nation in interceptions for a career, and I saw it was 28, and I was like, man, I'm breaking that. You know, I <laughs> actually wanted to get 10 interceptions my sophomore, junior, and senior year to, to, to kill that record. Uh, but so, so I, you know, I have 28 interceptions, so, so scouts are coming to my games, my practices uh, during the season, uh, even my junior year, you know, a little bit, but my senior year, a lot. And so I'm thinking I'm gonna get drafted, uh, and I, and actually my junior year, I kind of dominated this this receiver. His name is Devrin Johnson. He played at Sacred Heart. He was a senior. I was a junior. I, I like dominated him in a game, and he got drafted that year in the sixth round. So all my and I didn't even notice, um, but all my teammates were coming in like, man, did you see Devin Johnson got drafted? You were definitely getting drafted next year. Like, it's, you know, it's a lot. Right. And I'm like, shit, I, you know, in my head, I'm like, you damn right, I better, if he got drafted. Yeah, you're like, hey, he's a six-rounder. I'm at least a third-rounder now, so, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, so he's a six-rounder. Not saying that he was bad or anything, but, I, you know, I just had a, you know, great game against him. Right. But, uh, so again, scouts came, and uh, I just, I just, didn't get invited to the combine, didn't get invited to any senior pro days, I mean, senior bowl games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, because so a lot of the scouts, here's what they were saying. They were like, well, Lee, you know, you know, look, who's the best receiver you faced? You know, you, your competition isn't that good. I was uh, like, well, listen, if you give me some competition, you put them in front of me, I'm going to do the same thing that I did to them. You know, and, and the only guy I could say is Devron Johnson. Uh, and 
Hmm. Um, and and so you know, they just never drafted me. San Diego, you know, he came to my pro day. Uh, San Diego's D back coach and Cincinnati's D back coach came to my pro day, and and they did the the uh, the cornerback workouts. Yeah, uh, but it, but it was a lot of scouts there. It was almost every team, I believe. Wow. And San and San Diego, the the defensive back coach, he loved it. You know, he, he saw my highlight tape. He was like, "Man, I was watching." He said, "I'm not gonna lie to you." He said, "I was falling asleep." <laughs> he said, "Until you," because he was watching it late at night. He said, "But when I seen you intercept uh, a, a option pitch, he was like, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this <Yeah>. is crazy." <laughs> you know, um, so. So I, I kind of had interest, but I just didn't get drafted. Like teams just didn't draft me. That's incredible. It's incredible how, how guys slip yeah. through the cracks, man. I mean, you're you're there's so many of those. Look at look at the Julian Edelmans of the league. Right, right. it's just yeah. incredible. Julian, dude. And and I played with him. I remember yeah. his rookie year, man. I I mean, again, I, I don't know much about college football. I don't I don't really follow it that much. But um, you know, then when I I knew he was a quarterback and and to see him at receiver, and then you know, obviously we in practice you don't get to see him. Uh, like return things, and you know he was he was a good returner when when he got in the preseason and in the games, a uh, good receiver, and to see him develop, I mean, uh, you know it's it's so many of those stories like you yeah, said, for sure. uh, but it's just guys getting a chance to to really be able to show it, and like I said, that I never got the chance, you know, because I wanted to go to a senior bowl to show them I can do it against guys from LSU, Alabama, I don't care who they are. You know what I'm saying, but well, I just yeah. never got that opportunity. That's the problem for whatever reason. I don't know why they didn't invite me to any of those. But and you use it for it fuel. You, it goes back to the fuel thing. I mean, you used everything in your life to this point for fuel, and uh, like, like you said, hey, how do I motivate myself? Oh, I want to make the the number one receive uh, interception record for all D one AA in history. So I'm going to right, use that. Yeah, tw- I'm going to use that 28. I'm going to use those 28 interceptions as my fuel for this season or for this part right. of my career in, in college. You don't go get drafted. You get signed by the Browns. Who, who's your agent at the time? Oh, so Ralph Sendrich was my agent. He okay. was out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, and the Bartolo. A few like kind of small time agents were coming to visit me, and and they wanted me to go train elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wanted to stay in Pittsburgh because I wanted to finish my degree my my last year. Uh, so that's why, and Ralph Sanders was in Pittsburgh, um, and he, you know, he didn't want me to go anywhere else uh, to train. So then, you know, um, that's why I, uh, I went with him. And actually, I believe uh, one of my coaches uh, was one of my coaches at Duquesne. He had played in the NFL. Um, uh, shit, and I for, I'm forgetting his name right now. Sweeney. Uh, he was a lineman for Pittsburgh, the Steelers. I think Ralph Sanders was his agent. Hey Lee, you're as bad you're as bad as Biden over there, forgetting people's names. <laughs> well, I, I got a little bit of uh, you know reasons why you know all exactly. these head head injuries. Oh, you know there, you go. there you go. You have a legit excuse. He doesn't. Well, he's got old age, so I guess you yeah. know we're, we're in the same boat. <laughs> Yeah, you know what, Ralph Sendrich, those the uh, De group, those guys are good. I mean, yeah. they, had, they had a nice yeah. business. We, I had plenty of recruiting battles with those guys. Won some, lost some, but uh, yeah, they were they were good. They did a good job. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so they end up job. you end up going to Cleveland. Cleveland shows interest in you. Why did you choose Cleveland? I imagine you had multiple offers after the draft. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so after the draft, um, I mean, because a couple teams called me during the draft, um, and I, I tell this story too sometimes. Uh, um, a team called me in the seventh round and was like, uh, we got a lot of picks in the seventh round, but you probably wouldn't want to be drafted in the seventh round, would you? And I was like, nope, and hung up. Wow. <laughs> and, but then, so after the draft, you know, teams call. Uh, a lot of people don't know this process. Right. So you don't, you don't get drafted, teams call. Um, and my, my mom had an upstairs line, a downstairs line, and I had a cell phone, and, you know, it was ringing off the hook. Like, t- my stepfather was like, hey, man, the Eagles on a line right here and then my mom was like oh San Diego's on and my agent is calling you know other people you know I'm on the other line with um, another team so and you have to make your decision quick kind of because they're calling you know a ton of people right Uh, so uh, one thing I mean it it was um, I I think just looking at Cleveland uh, they had their um, their their corners that they had Anthony Henry and Dalen McCutcheon but after that you know it was kind of it looked like it was pretty wide open you know, on their roster, right? Um, they did draft a guy, Mike Lehan, um, in 
that same draft where I was drafted. But, you know, I, I didn't care about another rookie. Um, you know, I just felt like, again, and I felt like if I played the way I played, man, like, um, you know, they'll see. And, and and sometimes you can't deny talent. So I just I just had faith in myself. Oh, and, 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 and looking at that roster, I felt like I would have a chance. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's a numbers game. Sometimes uh, it's not about the talent. Sometimes it's about, you know, who they have under contract, who they drafted, you know, things like that. So sure. I, sure. I just felt yeah. like Cleveland was the best option for me to uh, – to, you know, make the team. Yeah, uh, and, a, you and you did, and you ended up having some really good seasons here. Uh, I say here because I'm in Cleveland, uh, <laughs> but uh, you had some good seasons here in Cleveland, and and then you ended up going to Detroit. Right. right. You went to Detroit for what? One or two years? For one year. Yeah. Okay. Just and, 2008 season. And then what I find so fascinating is that you go from Detroit. Detroit, <laughs> they they release you after the, that season, correct? Detroit doesn't resign you, or they released you. You there? You were breaking up a little oh, bit. Oh, sorry. sorry. De- uh, Detroit, Detroit releases you, correct? Right, right, correct. Okay, so here's correct. a guy, Lee Bottoms here, and you're like four or five years into your career, five, six years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the number is exactly. You played well in Cleveland. You go and you mm-hmm. play for Detroit. The opportunity was, you know, like you said, sometimes it's a numbers game. Sometimes maybe it doesn't fit the system. Who the hell knows what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then you get signed by the Patriots, and you, mm-hmm. end up having some, you end up having some ridiculously monstrous years there. Because when you go and you're free agent, and uh, you go take that visit to I think it was Houston. Houston, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you go to Houston to take a, and then you sign this huge contract the next day back with New England, correct? Right. Yep. Correct. That had to be a wild, a wild moment in your life. Yeah. So listen, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't even know that backstory either. Uh, I mean, one because I'm not a, I'm not a highly touted. You know, you don't know Lee Biden, but uh, that was a roller coaster in itself because so. You know, I'll try to give you the short version. Cleveland Browns, 2007. So, well, I got to go back to 2005. My third year, they signed me to an extension, right? And they gave me a lot of money compared to what I have gotten. I was a free agent. But a lot of my uh, teammates were saying, man, you know, okay, they're giving you the money now, but on the back end, you're going to be underpaid, you know, on this extension. And I was like, I'm cool. I mean, you know, we'll visit that when we get there. So... I, I get kind of to that, you know, second half of the contract because it was like a four-year extension. And I'm like, you know, I have a really good season. And I'm like, man, you know, I kind of need to get paid a little more. <laughs> right, <laughs> because, right. because and, and I went up to uh, Romeo and I went up to um, Phil Savage, who was the general manager at the time. And I, I presented them. Like, I was top 10 in every stat for you know like two years i believe or the, the two years that i was under contract and interceptions with views with tackles as, as a db i and i had the list and then i was i was top 10 like i said now i go to the pay i was like 31st or something getting paid and so i was like i ain't telling you to give me top 10 money but i don't want to be 31st you know what I'm saying? I don't want to, you know, it's 60 something starting corners in the league. I was like, I just don't want to be 31st. Right. Because if I'm up here in stats wise and I'm playing well and I, my peers think I'm playing well too, not only my teammates, but opponents, you know, just, you know, kind of pay me what I deserve. Phil Savage told me to wait a year. I literally told him, I was like, that's a slap in my face. I literally told him that. And I was a young kid. I I, I didn't know how to really negotiate. <laughs> right. Probably, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Romeo, Romeo Cornell, that's why I respect him to this day. He told me, he was like, Lee, man, I respect you coming up here with, you know, with this information, you know, not just, uh, re- you know, reckless and saying that you should pay me this much money. And, uh, and he was like, but we do want you here. Uh, but, you know, obviously the GM and the head coach wasn't on the same page at that time. And so that got traded to Detroit. Ah, okay. Um, because of that, because you know, I was like, man, you know, I wanted a new contract. And then I go to Detroit. Crazy thing with that is Detroit. I, I guess Cleveland and, and Detroit didn't discuss that. So Detroit was thinking that I was okay with my deal. And so that was like kind of messed up. And I, you know, I was unhappy immediately. You know what I'm saying? In Detroit. And then they weren't even trying to start me, which was crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. So, wait, Detroit, <laughs> the, the Lions were never told by the Browns that there was a 
personality conflict with you, and that's why they were trying to trade you for some. Yeah, yeah. Well, not person. I just contractually. Or, or a contractual you know, dispute, I should yeah, say. Yeah. 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 They, they. Yeah. They didn't because they were. That's what they were acting like. Right. You know. But I was like, well, this is why I got traded. This is like I didn't. I don't want to play under this contract. <laughs> wow. And so, so then you know, uh, Detroit worked something out where um, the next year, like, it would kick in. You know. But so not the 2008 season. They kind of upped my my salary that season. From what I was going to be making uh, in that that old deal, and then the next year it was going to kick in. But you know, if anybody knows, the 2008 season was not a great season for Detroit. <laughs> we went 0 and 16. And to be honest, I I didn't play bad. I don't. Well, I, it's not even. I don't think. I know. I didn't. I played within their system and what they wanted me to do, and that's that's all I could do. Um, and I, I feel like I played well and I had some good games, but obviously we didn't win. It's like Calvin Johnson had good games. Right. You know, you don't diminish him because we're 0 and 16, you know. Um, but like you said now, so then I kind of, they kind of knew I was upset and I went to Martin Mayhew. I told him that uh, things would never change if the front office don't change. You know, it stops from the, it starts from the top down and goes to the, all the way you know to the players and i was like and i was like i ain't you know necessarily want to be there right you know um um and you know so they felt mutual and so they released me and all the while again like my agent and so now i have a new agent it alvin kills and alvin is telling me that bill belichick is calling detroit about me you know i'm like what wow. <laughs> you know, it was crazy i'm like you know we we owe 16 and you know here it is one of the best teams in the league and coaches, you know, maybe of all time, uh, is, is inquiring about me, you know? So, um, it was just kind of a crazy roller coaster. And then, you know, I ended up visiting them. Uh, then I had other options, but I was like, you know what? Um, I might as well sign with, you know, the Patriots coming from an 0-16 team. If I, <laughs> if I go to the best team yeah. and show that I can still play, yeah. you know, then, then people are, you know, kind of... Uh, well, you know, Bill Belichick was always... He was always a pro at, at stealing away former Cleveland Browns players and making them look <laughs> like stars in, in, in New England. It was amazing. So no, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, so 2007, uh, Romeo Cornell was our head coach in Cleveland. And uh, I remember one game when we were going to play New England, he said this in front of the team he was like well you know lee you're not going to get much action you know because they respect you over there you know he said but you young guys you guys better be ready you know because you know they're they're gonna come at you um but um but no you know obviously they still threw at me um but you know just him saying that you know i guess they you know over there they felt like i was a um you know a pretty good corner uh so so like you said you know and, and bill belichick does his homework like he knows players, man. That oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people wouldn't know. Absolutely. And um, and and so it was just uh, really kind of great, you know, kind of even for my confidence, even after zero and sixteen season, that you know, one of the best coaches again of all time uh, is interested in me as a player to come play for his team. So, so I was just a big roller coaster within like, you know, three years, I would say. And then you started there for several years, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You started yeah, for several absolutely. years. Did you ever make the Pro Bowl? No, man, I never made the Pro Bowl. You know, and that's one thing, uh, a lot of times, man, it's a, it's a popularity contest. Um, <clears throat> and I don't really mind. I mean, that's, that's something, you know, listen, when you play in the NFL, that's one, you know, people talk about individual accolades that, they don't care about that. That's a lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and not saying that, you know, that's something that they they really care about. Like, you know, obviously people want a championship. But, you know, I mean, you want to be recognized as one of the best. Well, because you, you were for a couple of years. You were for a couple of years. You were right there. Yeah, and you yeah, were and right that's what up I'm saying. There. And, so, yeah. and so just because I wasn't named to a Pro Bowl, to me, never means, like, because I have respect for from the receivers that – um, I played against man. I the coaches that I played against man. I, I remember one time because my second year here's here's you know injuries kind of you know played my career too. Even though I played a long time, but my so I say my sophomore year, my my second year in the league. I mean, I probably would have made the Pro Bowl as a special teamer though, mm-hmm. um, and that that to me that would have kind of got my name out there a little bit. But I got hurt 
in the eighth game of the season, halfway through the season. But I had like 18 special teams tackles. Wow. The person who who led the special teams tackles at the end of the season, like you can look it up. I mean, I think they had like 23 or 24 tackles after I had a full a, season. I had 18 yeah. in, in eight games. That's insane. Yeah. You know, and and so I remember, and again, one time we played the New York Giants, and one of our corners got was hurt that game, so I had to start. So I started my second year in the league. And the special teams coach came up to me after the game. He was like, man, I'm glad you played defense because you're a hell of a special teams player. You know, because <laughs> yep. I didn't play special teams that game because I, you know, I started on defense. So, yeah, that's incredible. Um, it's incredible what you were able to pull off in your career because then you sign after several solid years with New England. Again, back to the thing you go to Houston, that, that's probably the worst thing that they, they, they couldn't sleep that night. Like, oh shit, he's going <laughs> to sign with Houston. And, uh, and then the next day you sign this groundbreaking deal north of $20 million, $10 million guaranteed. I don't know if these are the exact numbers, but. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, and then you end up getting hurt, right? A few months later. Mm-hmm. So, was it yeah, was a lot of that money those was a lot of that money that when you signed that guarantee you got you were you were owed that money still correct oh yeah yeah absolutely that's incredible that's what, man. you know a lot of people i mean you look at the Dak Prescott situation and this is this is why guys do it because um they want the upfront money because things happen you know i mean and look i got uh, in the preseason i tore my rotator cuff and labrum and the crazy thing is this is how much i love the game I heard it early in the game, and mm-hmm. I continued to play. And this is a preseason game. Right. I continued to play, and I knew I was hurt, and but I continued to play, um, <clears throat> just because you know I loved the game so much. But then you, know, you see, um, because the latter part of my my career with New England was you know was kind of messed up in, in my eyes, um, but you know I, I'm playing hurt. You know, and it's not necessarily for them, but it's for my teammates. It's for me. It's you know, right? The fans, then, your family. Yeah, yeah, but then when you when you're hurt, they kind of take advantage of that, and and you know, kind of throw you to the wayside sometimes. Oh, absolutely, and, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, listen, and, and dude, it's, you it's deserve this. It's you, just terrible, man. Um, when you but, get a chance, when you get a chance to make your money, you know, get you you got to that point, you deserved it. It, you were owed it. You were probably underpaid for the value you brought in all the prior years. So yeah, you make absolutely. it. You make it back up there. Listen, you got to do it because you're right. The, the coaches, the NFL teams. I, I know that they're not bad people. But right. It's a it's a ruthless it's a, it's a ruthless business. And yep. the moment that you start even missing a, a half a step, you're, all, mm-hmm. you're they're already throwing you to the wolves. You're, you're done. <laughs> you're done. They don't care about yeah. you anymore. It's they don't the care, you man. So so like you said, the, the upfront money was. You know, was something I, you know, I needed and I wanted. Uh, it wasn't what I felt like I deserved, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. That's the most I could have got, and you know, I take, I take it. And um, again, like you said, then the injuries happen because, like you said, they they will find anything, you know, because every year you're going to get older. And now, if you're coming off an injury and you're older, they're gonna. That's a bargaining tool for them to, to not pay you. Yeah. Um, as much money as as you should be getting paid, so you know you just got to get it while you can, and um, one hundred, you know, just one hundred, you know, play yeah. play the business, man. However they play it. Well, listen, it's a incredible. I mean, here's a guy from uh, in a sophomore in high school is is basically not getting playing time, and then fast forward 10, 12 years, whatever. Uh, multi-million dollar contracts with the New England Patriots and a very good career. 18 interceptions, I think I saw. I mean, you you were a starting cornerback. You were one of the best players in the league for one of the best players in the world for for a period of time. So um, yeah. that's a really cool story, man. And it goes back to the fuel, and, and you've obviously used it. So you've made money. You, you've been successful. Uh, Post career, uh, I know you've been involved in some different businesses, but really looking at this year, back to 2020. In the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, the the fear, the fear mongering that's going on in this country. I see that you say what was washed more in, in twenty twenty was it the hands or the heads or the brains, whatever you said. Talk about it, man. Tell us what you're thinking. Oh uh, man, I mean, shit. Where do I start, man? <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think you know people have been brainwashed, you know, too much to to believe in, in um, you know, believing in man. You know, to be honest, um, you know, when you get to the root of it, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a religious guy. Um, so religion doesn't, you know, play a parts in my in my life. But 
but a maker like somehow we were we were created you know what i mean and and whoever created us created the earth the the trees the fruit you know everything you know what i'm saying so um i i think right now we're too far removed from that and we're relying too much on man and <clears throat> what man is going to do is going to scare you into doing whatever the hell he wants you to do and uh you know I, I feel like you know sometimes and people you know they're saying oh man people are dying and i understand that but people have been dying um previously you know what i'm saying of, of a lot of other things but you know have we been up in arms um with that in in this country not really and so so this uh coronavirus to me is just it's um nothing like too extravagant you know what i mean um to, to kind of, you know, be putting these masks on, social distance from each other, man. That's not how we were supposed to live. Like, human beings are supposed to be in contact with each other. Why do you think the government, why do you think our government's... Um, not, not separating from each other, you why, know? Why do you think, Lee, our government has has taken such a, a extreme reaction, an extreme stance to this? What's your take on that? Uh, well, I mean, to me, I mean, you got to think about you got to ask why, you know, why, why do they want to do that with this? Again, going back to heart disease killed more people than anybody for 80 years in this country. <clears throat> Have we been, you know, trying to prevent that? No. Um, but I think, I think it's just, um, it's an agenda that they have, uh, and they want to play the agenda out. Uh, you know, to be honest, um, like even you know talking about Joe Biden and and what their uh, their camp wants to do you know I forgot I don't know what you call their regime I don't know but what they want to do is they they're talking about you know how you're gonna get a hold of this is test people what, I mean that's not getting a hold of anything you know what I'm saying and then a vaccine the vaccines are not necessarily going to um, as we've seen with a flu vaccine that doesn't these people die from flu still, you know, and you've got a flu vaccine. So to me, it's all about money. Um, I, and because testing costs money, the vaccines cost money, uh, and people are gonna, uh, you know, pay for it. You know, if that's if that's the the cure or what you need to, you know, rid this, um, and and they want to do it globally. And so you know, I mean, they they're shipping uh, testing to all types of countries. And then when you know about the testing, um, I believe it's called the PCR testing, that testing has been out before. So they were testing using PCR testing without the coronavirus, without well, this coronavirus. So mm. meaning, meaning this test wasn't specifically for the coronavirus. So if you're testing positive, you're not necessarily testing positive for the coronavirus. You know what I'm saying? For this coronavirus. So it's just, you know, it, it just all doesn't make sense. And so if you if you ask a bunch of questions and they still don't make sense, and that's with anything, yep. then, you know, um, there's a problem. Yep. You know, but if you can answer my questions <laughs> and and have and give me clarity, then I can be like, OK, I understand that. But if 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 everybody has unanswered questions, then there's a problem. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And, and if and if you are the government, you should want to have the people not be fearful. You want the people to be uh, knowing everything. You know. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I don't know if you saw this. Governor Newsom, the governor of California, came out recently with a Thanksgiving Day mandate for the <laughs> for people in, in in California. This is this. I believe this is one hundred percent factual. Uh -huh. He came out and he said, "If you're going to do Thanksgiving." In our state of California, here are the rules: no more, no more than three families at your home, including your own. Uh, number two, the the gathering must remain outdoors, and number three, the gathering can last no more than two hours. Then, you, then everyone must leave. That doesn't even make sense. Like I, you're control. Yeah, and, and it, like you said, if that's true, how could how could that's that that's not freedom? You know, like w people are you know loving the flag and and. All this stuff, but if that if you believe in the flag, then you don't believe in what he's saying because that's not freedom, you know. Because and and the thing is, listen, and I, I understand it, but it, it, if this is so deadly, 
you know, to to be honest, I I told people, I mean, uh, homeless people would just be laying on the street dead, and because they don't wash their hands, they don't do none of that stuff. I mean, um, good point. But but um, but then to tell me, but but it's like you're telling me how to live, and if if I want to see my loved ones, then let me see my loved ones. If if that if that price means I gotta die, then let me die. You know what I'm saying? Because what am I living for? <laughs> to be I honest. agree with you. I don't. You know what I'm saying? I believe- and, and have to be on a curfew and a mandate, and you know that's not freedom to me. And so you know, to be honest, to me again, it's all about it's, they're trying to control people, um, and and you can't control everyone. It's just like listen, if if someone wants to kill somebody, you know, I hate to do go this extreme, but they're gonna kill them. You're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna stop it. Yeah, are you going to reprimand them? Yes, but. They're gonna live how they want to live, and so you gotta let people live how they want to live. If yeah. people want to wear a mask, then that's fine. Go ahead, wear right. your mask. But if I don't want to wear a mask, then let me not wear a mask. If I want to be with my family for two hours and thirty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you're, you're cutting. The, you're making a cut off at two yeah. two hours. And the thing is, how are you gonna mandate it? Correct. But, but you know, it, it gets people to be like, man. But what if they come into our house and catch? But that's. That shows you that that's not freedom. If you if you if somebody can run up in my house and say, "Hold on, how long have you guys been here? Two hours and fifteen minutes." Everybody's going to jail. That's that's ridiculous. That's you, know uh, like, you start I, you start flirting with communism. I mean, exactly. That's what that's really what you're flirting with. And and if this America is free is is free, if you're boasting and, and saying that you know this is the land of the free, then these things shouldn't be occurring. I honestly could not agree with you more. It's a slippery slope and people need to start standing up or, or they're gonna right. keep push they're gonna keep abusing powers. They they have overreached in so many states. Uh especially the real far left leaning states. I mean, they are literally borderline uh, uh they're taking control of everyone's lives and if these people don't stand up, they're gonna keep going, man. You've seen no, it. Absolutely, they're gonna keep going. And you know, I I read something the other day where it says um, you know, all these types of things like war, genocide, you know, it, it's a result um, not from disobedience, but from obedience. Uh, yep. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so all these things, like, like you said, so it's like if every, if no one stands up um, or the majority don't stand up, they're going to keep pushing that envelope and it's going to get to a place where people are going to be like, I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> but they were doing it right in front of your eyes just very slowly. Yeah. And, and, and when they put the fear of your life at hand, you know, that's when people are scared. But see, um, Hey, let you know, me just say this. Let me say this real quick too, Lee. Uh-huh. Don't forget. Go back to go back to Germany. Uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. A few, a few decades back, not so long ago. Go back. Not so long ago. Go back, and they 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 started telling the the Jews and a bunch of other minorities to march onto into the bus and and go into the uh, into mm-hmm. the sho- the quote unquote showers. And guess what? They all they all lined up and went. And went. They all lined up and went. They didn't ask no questions. They Correct. didn't oppose. Um, you know, no one stood up. And see, and the problem is, a few can't stand up. You know, the majority needs to stand up, and that's the problem with with it all the time. Is is only a, a few people stand up, and so if it's not a, a big collective group, you know, saying, "Hey, man, this is," you know, we're not we're not going to do this. Um, it'll it'll continue to happen, um, yes. and that's how they can kill you know leaders um, that that are just one sole leader. You know what I mean? Of of maybe a little group. You yep. know, it can kill them off, and you know, you need strength in numbers. And, and, and the, it, it's yeah. strength in numbers. Yeah. And most of the people are they are sheep. They'll just go and do it. And then again, when you put fear of their life, um, and like like you're protecting them from something, you know, they they'll go along with it because they're like, oh well, this is my for my safety. Yep. Uh, you yep. know, and that's one thing that you know, going back to even a mask. Like they'll tell you that the mask is for safety, but when you look up the CDC website, it shows any mask. I don't care that that N95 and those other little masks. They show, they say it on the CDC website that it cannot prevent you from getting a virus. It it says it plain as day, but people will still believe that this thing is is helping them. You know, what I mean, it it's really it's damn near hurting you more than it's helping you because the human body you. You breathe in like carbon dioxide, and you breathe it breathe it out. That's your respiratory system. The, the it breathes out the bad air, and you're just 
breathing the bad air right back into you with the mass. It's you know amazing. What I'm it's, so it's, yeah. it's just it's just not good for the the human body. Isn't meant to do that. No, it's, it's not meant to blow out the air. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, you're right. It, you know, it, what one thing that I've seen and really realize now more than ever is how so many people do not have independent thought process. They have mm-hmm. no idea how to think. They need the government or the media to tell them how to think, feel, and behave. They have no, no clue. They have ahead, no. They, they have no clue. They have no clue how to think on their own. If they see it on TV, and if the government's telling them this is something, then they just think that this must be the way. And that's right. it. And, and, that's, and it. that's the problem again. Why you don't have the majority to stand up? Because most people are not thinking for themselves. They are allowing, like you said, the television to uh, yeah. to think for them. And and it's called. A TV program for a reason. Like they're programming you <laughs> to to think this way. Like they're programming you to want things. That's why commercials are the way they are. That's why they dress up burgers the way they they do. And then when you get there, the <laughs> burgers don't look like what it looked like on a on a commercial. That's exactly right. That's exactly. <laughs> you know, they right. make all these things look so good. And uh, again, and you're not. You're just programmed to think. Oh, okay. That's they're, they're telling me this because they know. You know they're they're giving me the right information. You know you gotta you gotta independently look because it's a reason why they're putting in front of your face. So one of the guys that you've and we'll we'll, we'll get close to finishing up here, but one of the guys that you've uh, been supportive of is uh, Kanye for president twenty twenty. I've yeah. seen I've seen the Kanye West stuff. Um, and I gotta tell you, I watched him uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. I watched some of it. He was on there, and um, I have trouble following him. I have trouble mm-hmm. understanding what he's saying. You know, he he goes off into these. You know, he goes into these rabbit holes, and I like Kanye as a person too. So don't get me wrong; mm. I have trouble following him. So, give, give us a glimpse into why you're supportive of, of Kanye West as president. Right, and so I'm glad you said that because it's it's like any other politician. Mm. Right, everybody says just because either Trump or or Biden, whoever you're going for, people will say like I don't agree with everything that they say. It's not like I agree with every single thing Kanye West says. You know, um, it's the reason why I'm I'm for Kanye, especially for Black America, is because, and, and not even Black America solely, but just America as a whole. Because when you look at it, we always say, "Oh, the lesser of two evils." That's what I always keep hearing. But either way you go, you're voting for evil if you're telling me that. You know, and so it's like it's no third party. People talk about systemic racism and and everything systemically messed up, but if you continue to do the system to um, be in that system and be in it how they want you to be in it, it'll never change. And so I'm saying voting Kanye will show America that Americans want something different than just two people than just throwing me two people and saying here you go um because what it does is and you know i learned this when i was 18 the popular vote really doesn't it really doesn't matter and people people keep saying your vote matters it does it does not matter because the popular vote i saw it with Kerry and bush he won Kerry won the popular vote and he lost the election and it was because of the electoral college the electoral votes so I'm saying, but what, but what the popular vote does show is who you, who the people want and what the people want. And, and it, it's saying what you want. And so if you, if people vote in the millions for Kanye, it's just saying, we don't want it to be two people anymore. You know, we, because what, what independent person, you know, that, that has gotten or that can get millions of votes from when I was alive, I mean, been voting nobody i think when I we think were ross i think lee, was i was like gonna, the only yeah i was gonna say one. that too lee when we were young it was ross perot and that was about it that was about it yeah. you know but it's like but it's but see and now it falls off but what i'm saying is it, it has to be and so when you look at it kanye is a celebrity he can he you know he can get millions of supporters uh, it's like it's like donald trump he was a he was a celebrity yeah that's why he got a lot of support um and so you know and i what Kanye did it, it isn't conventional how, how people would want him to run but it doesn't matter you know he's running and if you want to change a change is voting differently a change isn't just going and voting the same way you, you understand it's like if 
if you want something to change, you can't continue to support it because then that's saying you don't want to change. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's my whole premise on voting for Kanye. And and to be honest, he is about, you know, the black community, which a lot of candidates are not. Um, and just and, and doing things differently. People talk about, you know, he's not a politician. Neither is Trump. But look at our country and, and the state it's in, uh, especially again for black America, with po- to- politicians running the country. Again, and, and, and again, we can set aside the black America. Look, we're in debt for like we've been in debt forever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, we, we wage wars. You know, again, America is just so backwards. Yeah. Like we can fight for the, the soldiers in America can fight for freedoms. But then I can't fight for my freedom and not wearing a mask. And again, not having a mandate. I can't fight. for. I can't fight for that. <laughs> yeah. But well, American can go, can go over and go fight, you know, somewhere else. But the problem is the, a, little, the, the, a little left. But but back to Kanye, I'm just saying voting him is just showing. It's showing that you America want something new. That we want something different. Yeah. It's showing the independent party has a. If there's ever a chance, time in history where the independent party has a chance to come back strong, mm-hmm. it's now. It's now. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like striking while the odds hot. People always say, and people have been telling me, oh, but he's going to lose. But what does that mean? That's like, that's like, uh, what team is it? It's like looking at teams that have a good run, you know, but you you know, when they come up to the giant, you know, they'll probably lose, but it's like, like man, they got a good team and they're going to be back next year, you know, you know, even better. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but that's not like you don't just give up on that team, you know what I mean, and, and quit because you're going to lose. Correct. You know, you you're you're building for something, and like you said, that's that's what it is. That's what this represents to me. And like you said, Ross Rowe was a, a long time ago. We didn't have nobody after that. Yeah. Now, here it is. You know, he's 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 that right now, and it could happen again in 2024. Yeah. You know, and, or and but it could even uh, get other people. You know, to say, wow, well, Kanye did it was shit. Like, I can do it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's really what um, I think voting for him does. You know, it, it kind of will show other people like, man, uh, you know, this third party thing, you know, I mean, if I come legit, if I come how, you know, these other presidential candidates come, I may can you know, have a chance. Sure, sure. You start shifting the tides over time. It's not going to happen over, the over first time. time. It's not going to happen overnight. Right, you know exactly. What I'm it's not going to. Listen, to Trump... That's what people people think with, with this Kanye vote. It's, I'm not saying... Again, obviously, he's yes, he's not going to win, but it's, it's, it's about changing a system, and you have to change a system by not participating in it. Yes, <laughs> the I, way that they want you to participate in it. I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to take time to change. I think the, an independent party would be fantastic. I right. do think Trump was that guy four years ago. I mean, he was. He shook up the political world. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm so happy he did. I'm so happy he did because it shows. Because the system is, is not only flawed, but it's it's dirt. I mean, it seems like it's a dirty system. It is. Uh, and he, he said it even when he was um doing some of those, uh, uh you know, four years ago, his uh presidential debates. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, running against those other Republicans. He absolutely. was. He was showing it, airing it out. Like yeah. He was like, "Oh yeah, you're corrupt." Anytime I give you money, <laughs> you know, you, you just do what I say. Yeah, you and, know, he, he understands it. And you know, unfortunately, I think that this country has. I feel like the country's come a long way. Listen, we had a black president of the United States for eight years. Uh, there may still be this systemic racism thing that's, you know, obviously these things come up like we experienced this year with the George Floyd and some of this other crazy stuff. Uh, but I feel like our country has made progress, and I feel like it's not just one man at the top. I think Trump has done a no, absolutely. A, I think yeah. Trump has done a fairly good job with what he's been given, and especially some of his policies when it comes to foreign policy and the economy mm-hmm. was going well, and um, you know, quite, you know, quite a few things. Um, I I will tell you this: I would definitely vote for Kanye over over Joe Biden. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, and that's what, <laughs> and so so that's why. I've been pushing it because, see, black America, they just vote Democrat just because that's what they do. I mean, again, when I was 18, I was so excited to vote, you know, because of it's the same thing how they do it now. Oh, go vote, vote, vote. And all I know is just to vote Democrat because that's what black people do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I don't have, you know, my parents didn't, my mom didn't really know. She, My mom is from Jamaica, too. Right. She don't really know anything about politics. 
So, um, you know, but now, again, times have changed. You know, information is, is a little, is out there. And like you said, I that, I would vote for, if, if I'm a vote Democrat or I'm a vote against Trump, I'm not going to vote for Biden. Like, I'm, I'm going to vote for, you know, Kanye West. You know, right, but, right. but, and it's because of, you know, um, and, and it's reasons behind it. You know, a lot of people that are voting for Biden, it's no reason behind. The only reason is because they don't want Trump in. Yeah, they don't that, like Trump. You're they not don't even like standing Trump. for anything. Yeah, they don't like Trump, so that's why they're going to vote That means <laughs> Biden could sit up here and, and wage nuclear war. You know, he could be telling you one thing, but you're like, well, it doesn't matter. I just want Trump in there. I, I, I don't want I'm Trump co- in I'm, there. I'm, I'm convinced, Lee, I'm convinced that if you saw Joe Biden kill somebody on tape tomorrow, he'd still get 40% of the vote. I mean, <laughs> he's, I mean right. it, it doesn't he's, matter. He's, people would just turn a blind eye. No, that wasn't him. They CGI'd that. You know, they just make up. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe that. That's uh, no, no way he did that. Hey, listen. He's for president. <laughs> I got to tell you, man. I appreciate your insight. It's uh, it's cool to see that you're involved and that you're getting involved in this type of stuff. Um, people could follow you on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter is just my name, Lee Bodden, L E I G H B O D D E N. Um, you know, listen, I'm I'm a little controversial, um, and I understand it. You know what I mean? But um, you know. A lot of things, I have a segment sometimes on there, I, I call it the naked truth, whether you like it or not, man. I just give, you know, my honest, and it's not even opinion sometimes, but it's, it's it was sometimes it is, but sometimes it's factual, you know, things that are that are going on. Um, but a lot of times it's, it, it is my opinion too. Sure, <laughs> it, sure. You know, it, it's kind of mixed in with both, but, I, but I'm a thinker, you know, and I ask questions again, and, and like we talked about earlier, um, you know, when things, when I have questions and they're unanswered by the people who are supposed to give me the the answers, you know something's something's up. You know that's just and you 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 do that with people. You know if you're asking somebody a question and it sounds a little fishy, you ain't gonna trust that person. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, listen, man, you you got it, you got it right. So. We'll link up your Instagram here in the show notes as well today. So, uh, again, like I said, Lee, appreciate it. Um, Best of luck to you in your post-career and all these things you're doing, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. All right.